Hello and welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm Sam Wilkin, Brussels Bureau Chief, and today we're going to talk about connected cars, specifically the technology that makes them tick and how it should be licensed. This is turning into a big fight between patent holders like Nokia on the one hand and the makers of cars and car parts on the other. To explain why, I'm joined by Matthew Newman and Mike Acton, two reporters who have been following it closely. Hello, Matthew and Mike. Hello, Sam. Hi. Uh, Matthew, what is the background to this case? Can you tell us a bit more about standard essential patents and, and how this case compares to other disputes in the past? This goes back to the smartphone wars that were really fueled uh, by these massive disputes between the patent holders on one side, so Qualcomm, Ericsson, and Nokia, and the people who made phones, uh, including Apple and, and Samsung and others. Um, so instead of talking about smartphones, we're now talking about cars. And it's the same idea. Your car eventually will be connected to a network, and you'll be, have all these great services. You'll be able to connect to hotels and restaurants. But to do that, you need to have a standardized technology. And that's why we talk about standard uh, essential patents. It's a standard because everyone needs to use it. It's essential because if you don't have it, your phone or your car is not going to be able to connect to the network. And it's intellectual property, it's patents, and it's actually owned by somebody. And in this case, it's owned by some of the major companies in Europe who developed mobile technology, Ericsson and Nokia, and as well as uh, Qualcomm, which is one of the biggest providers of this technology. So that's the, the, the players in this. And the problem is that they can't resolve the essential question, which is how much do you pay for these royalty rates? And that's really what this debate is, is all about. Okay, and um, Mike, I understand the, the dispute comes down to who actually should get the license for these. Should it be the car makers or the, the makers of car parts? What are, what are the positions of the various sides in the dispute? Yeah, so we have this antitrust complaint from Daimler, uh, which is one of the large German car manufacturers, of course, and they are disputing the idea that they have to pay for the license for Nokia's technology. At the moment, that's what they do. In the past, uh, if you think about other car parts, like, for, for example, tyres, it sort of doesn't really stand to reason why you would, if you were to buy tyres for the cars that you manufacture, it doesn't really make sense why you would then also have to pay for the rights to the intellectual property right. that designs that. So the license is paid by the tyre maker. Exactly. And you buy a tyre with the intellectual property already sort of built into it. In, indeed, it's, it's exactly that. And so their argument is uh, sort of intellectually seems somewhat fair because they're saying, well, why should we be the ones that foot the bill for a, for a license for a technology, which ultimately was just sticking into a car. I mean, a car isn't a mobile phone. That's, that's, a, that, that's the key argument they will be bringing forward. But it's not just Daimler. I mean, the manufacturers, uh, the, 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 the landscape's a little divided because some of them have opted for the Avanci licensing model, which essentially Avanci is, uh, as Matthew's explained, a, a number of the patent holders, so uh, Nokia, Ericsson, Qualcomm, they pool their patents and then the car manufacturers come to them and, and buy the license for them. It's a sort of one-stop shop. So they seem to have, some of them seem to have tacitly sort of endorsed this model, and that's another point that Nokia will probably wheel out during the course of this debate. Uh, of course, the car manufacturers will put it differently. We had a, an Audi executive on record last week saying that just because they've chosen to go to Avanci doesn't mean that they've accepted the legal principle 
that you pay for the license at the level of the manufacturer. The problem is that there's another, there are other players involved in this value chain. So you've got the tier one and tier two suppliers, which is the jargon, basically people that make the modules that go into the cars themselves. And they've also submitted their own separate complaints. So we have Vallejo, we have Bury, we have Continental. And they're saying, well, we should have access to these licenses as well. Right. So so the car makers and the car parts makers are, you know, those who are complaining seem to be on the same side as each other, the argument in that it should be the parts makers who should have to play, pay for the licenses. Well, it would look like that, but I think behind the scenes, uh, you would find that some of these suppliers like Bury would probably say they would also be happy for the makers of the chipsets themselves, even further back down the, the value chain, to be paying the license. So they don't, although the complaint that has been formulated by the, the suppliers is that they are being denied access to these licenses and that they have a right to that under so-called FRAND terms, fair and reasonable use for these essential patents. At the same time, they would none of them really want to be footing the bill for this because there, there are there are a number of reasons why you don't necessarily want to pay the license. And I mean, if we go back to to Daimler's complaints, and basically, as you said, they're saying it's it's just a component in a car. Uh, we as the assembler don't have to foot the bill for that. We don't have to be responsible for that. How are the um, the other the patent holders? coming back on that what's their argument yes so the patent holders are really digging in and saying that the car companies have changed the whole business model should change Um, it's this is a a new world in which the the mobile phone the mobile connectivity in a car is actually going to be the essential aspect of the car so it's it's essentially like a, a rolling mobile phone uh, this is hotly disputed, but it's about valuing the technology. So if you have a, uh, a patent and it's in a, in a module, well, that module is actually not worth anything much. It's just a module. It just connects. But if you, connect it, if you put it in something um, that's quite useful, like a car, then you should have a, a value that patent on that. So it's the, it's the end use of the patent that really matters and this is what there's the same argument that came up with the mobile phones uh and the phone makers were like no we we don't accept that at all but in the end they did and they all took licenses um now so why is bmw why is uh audi why is uh you know mini and and rolls royce they've all taken licenses to fancy well it's because they know that they need to have legal certainty they don't want to worry about this. They don't want to get sued and, and have problems uh, in court. They don't want to face injunctions where their, their car might, might... But this might doesn't at all stop them, does it, from launching complaints in the future? It just means they're doing what they need to do for now under the current commercial conditions to, to make connected cars, which everyone wants to do now. There is a sort of added complication here, which is that this, the, the essence of the antitrust complaint or the complaints that have come from, from Daimler and the number of the suppliers, is that Nokia is denying access to a license. And because it owns the patent itself, it's abusing its dominant position. That's the essence of their argument. The problem for the car manufacturers is that they're not being denied a license. So if they go and complain to the European Commission and say, Nokia is withholding licenses from our suppliers, well, the question is, why aren't the suppliers the ones making the complaints, which they are, but the, there is a sort of question mark there over what the antitrust abuse is of the 
can't make them can't make us themselves other than perhaps that they're unfairly being made to pay licenses when it could be paid cheaper and further back down the value chain right i see and that then is difficult to to stand up in purely antitrust terms unless the complaint comes from the parts makers themselves you don't want to foot the bill i think there's definitely a hope there that there will be more complainants piling in after this but as we saw with the last week uh, with the the audi executive i think some of the other manufacturers are a little more cautious about taking this fight to um, the top watchdog antitrust watchdog uh, because it's not always successful, and, and as this happens pretty much with every major patent dispute, uh, as happened with Apple and Qualcomm, they have this fight, and it's a patent issue, but just for good measure, they throw in a complaint to the antitrust authorities. There is a broader question here about whether this is a, is a real antitrust issue. Yeah, and what's the European Commission's view on it so far? Well, that's that's quite interesting, because uh, as, as we've been just mentioning, this is not an, a new issue. It's been it went back to the the whole uh, smartphone wars, and so if you look at the and just just uh, explain the smartphone wars. Sorry, just because I mean I can see here we've got it's it's very difficult to argue that a piece of connectivity is a more essential component for a car than, for example, the tires or the airbags. Mm-hmm. You, you could say those are more essential for a car, um, at least in uh, you know the current level of technology we're at, where we don't have full automation. Does the smartphone market differ from that? Well, the whole issue in the smartphone wars was about injunctions. And so that's where the uh, antitrust investigations took place. Um, so the, the, the charge against, uh, let's say, Motorola, that was one of the, the major cases that the commission decided, is that the patent holders can't use their dominant position. So they, they have the patent and they have a, this, these rights uh, to use, the, to license to, to who they want, but they can't threaten a, an injunction to get a higher royalty rate. And so the commission came down very strong and said, look, guys, there's, if, you're, if you have a willing licensee who wants to use your technology, you can't say, oh, we're going to sue you and then hope to extract even more royalties out of them. So the commission at one point said, we're done. We, we resolved the major question in the smartphone wars and there was a reference case to the uh, European Court of Justice, which set out very specific terms of when a company is a license, a willing licensee. And so, for a couple of years, we we thought like, well, we don't really have to worry about this because, from a legal point of view, it's been largely discussed and, and resolved. Then the Commission was asked to have a policy paper on 5G and Internet of Things and how these disputes could be somehow resolved. And the commission really didn't want to take a position on any licensing model whatsoever. So if you look, take a look at that paper, it's, it's about a year and a half old, came out at the end of 2017. The commission did not take a position whatsoever on these licensing terms. And so that's where the new complaints come in. They say, okay, you guys dodged a bullet back then. Here we have some very specific examples with the connected cars. We want you to take a stand on does a company have an obligation to license uh, to all comers, to all third parties, they call it. License to all is the, is the slogan that they have. And the commission, well, we don't know. I mean, they've already sent out the questionnaires to the, the complainants, but we don't know if they're going to start a full 
uh, investigation into this. Part of what Nokia would say is the purpose of so-called FRAN terms and, and patent rules is that you aren't blocking the implementation of certain technologies. And Nokia's argument would be, well, they do have access to this technology. It is it's just that we happen to license it at the level of the manufacturer, but it's not stopping it from being used, which would be a much more obvious abuse of dominance case. And how how do we expect this to, you know, if, if there is an investigation from the European Commission, how do we expect it to play out in a strictly legal sense in terms of antitrust law? What are the various precedents beyond the smartphone wars and what are the various sort of arguments that we're likely to see? So uh, I mentioned some of these uh, court cases and uh, antitrust decisions, but there's also uh, merger cases. So there was a, a case involving... Um, Alcatel, and in that the lawyers can pull up um, specific language in the merger decision to say you have an obligation to license to anyone who wants a license. You're going to have lawyers on both sides trying to interpret that on the on the patent holders' uh, side. They're going to say, "Well, look, uh, we are willing to license to anyone, and but it's up to us to decide where in the value chain we license to." And then the implementers, the, the, the component makers, are going to say, well, that's a very narrow way of looking at it. Uh, license to all means just that. You license to anyone who wants a license. And so there's going to be some very, uh, there's going to be case law that will be cited. Uh, we know that's true because we, we, we've spoken to people um, who are aware of what the case law should be as part of this discussion. And now it really will be up to how they interpret that. And why do Nokia and Qualcomm care about this? Can they charge more to a car maker than they can to the maker of a component? The the bigger value you have of the ultimate final product, the higher the licensing fee can be. And so one way that the car uh, Avanci got around this debate is like, obviously we're not going to charge 5% on a 40,000 euro car. Uh, We're going to give you a flat fee. So it's fifteen dollars, uh, but what really comes the, the whole issue about the licensing fees is that if you've got a a chipset that's worth like fifteen dollars, um, you can't possibly charge fifteen dollars on that. And even if you charge a, you, you have to charge like basically pennies on on that licensing fee, and that's what Qualcomm and Ericsson and Nokia are really worried about. Um, they're they're about to roll out five G. They must have the revenue stream from, from their licensing to, to fund the research and development, and they feel that if the commission comes in and disrupts that business model, then all bets are off. They won't have the, the ability to actually go forward and invest. So it, it, there could be arguments as well between different levels. You mentioned earlier, Mike, tier one and tier two part suppliers, even if they come to the decision in the end that you can't only licensed car makers there could then be a dispute couldn't there between is it someone who makes just the chipset or is it make someone who makes the whole navigation system for example at the moment it's clear what they don't like the complainers the, the car manufacturers don't like paying the license and the suppliers want access to the license or so they say but they'd equally be fine with kicking that further down the value chain so for now they're, they're sort of agreed that it shouldn't just it shouldn't just be paid at the level of the car manufacturer but what the end preferred outcome would be, you have to be aware that whoever that level of the value chain is will end up footing the bill. Uh, it's probably going to be quite messy. And that, again, is another one of Nokia's arguments is that, well, this is simple. You know, this is straightforward. We just license it here. Why would you complicate things 
by allowing everyone a free-for-all to get these licenses because then you're in these interminable license negotiations for everything. So it's, it's a sort of Pandora's box, but it's also a very important question about the intersection between patent law and antitrust law which I think a lot of people would, would, would like clarity on. One final question. I mean, we've had this complaint put in against um, against Nokia. That's the, or a series of complaints against Nokia, but that's all there's been so far. What can we expect next? Do we have, you know, are there, are there further dates in that particular complaint or are there other complaints perhaps brewing? There certainly are other complaints. Um, we're working on breaking news on that. But I would say in terms of the, the, the procedure here, um, the next step would be, the commission would launch a formal probe into these complaints after it's gotten feedback from other companies, um, that has a wider questionnaire, so to speak, um, not just getting information from the complainants. There's also the potential disappointment of, as happened with Apple and Qualcomm in the U.S., just as you get to the point of a trial, which obviously in this case would be years and years away, but you don't actually end up settling these questions once and for all because they settle out of court. Let's see if they do that, but... As you say, probably a few years before we get to, to that stage yet. We'll be watching it every step of the way, of course. Um, that's all we've got time for today. So thank you and goodbye to Matthew and Mike. Thank, thank you. you. And just before I sign off, I'll remind you to please subscribe to our podcasts on your preferred platform if you want to hear more from our reporters around the world. I'm Sam Wilkin, MLEX's Brussels Bureau Chief. Bye for now.